turn with me to Luke chapter 22. We'll begin reading with verse 19. Luke chapter 2, 22, verse 19. And he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. But behold, the hands of my betrayer is with me on the table. And truly, the Son of Man goes as it has been determined. But woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this time that we can gather together to remember what Christ has accomplished for us. We thank you for this ordinance that you have instituted for your church to remember who Christ is and all that he has accomplished. And we pray that you would bless our time together as we prepare our hearts to receive this communion. And Father, that we would be blessed as it is a means of grace for us as your children. In this we pray in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. We have Easter and Thanksgiving and Christmas and all other kinds of what we would say special meals that we look forward to all throughout the year. We know that there will be special food on those particular occasions. Our culture, of course, observes these special times of the year. They are significant for us. We would not call them a common meal. We would call them, I guess you would say, the Super Bowl of our meals. Well, Christ in his kingdom has a specific meal, a significant meal for us as well, called, we know, the Lord's Supper. And we see in the passage that Jesus clearly commands us to do this in remembrance of him in verse 19 there. Now at the table there is what we would call a doing. We are not passive, but we are active. We must remind ourselves. We just simply don't sit there, but we are active in using our minds to do what Christ has called us to do. He says, do this in remembrance of me. Who are those at the table as we come to his table? What are the actions that actually transpire? What happens as a result of these actions transpiring at the table? And so we must consider what is happening at the Lord's table. Now, this afternoon we will consider only one point and we will pick up in our next time when we are together for the Lord's Supper for the other points, one reason I don't want to lose my voice, I feel it very um, weakening. I guess I preached too hard this morning. <laughs> but anyway, I uh, hope it doesn't go before the end of the service. But first of all, we had the f- first person to con- t- consider at the table. And of course, that is the Lord himself. It's called what? The Lord's table. He is the host, and we have to keep that in mind. He instituted. He is the one that has authorized the meal. And through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, Jesus is present 
to nourish you and me, to nourish his body, his church, his bride. Now, this meal is similar to what took place in the Old Testament. We know that Jesus met with his disciples here in Luke chapter 22 to observe the Passover. And then after the Passover, we see that he instituted the Lord's Supper. Now, the Passover, of course, remembered the deliverance that God had given to the Israelites from Egypt. They remembered that they were no longer under Egypt, but they had been set free. They had been delivered, and they were to remember that by observing the Lord's, or observing the Passover. Likewise, we remember what God has done for us through Jesus Christ in the new covenant, which Christ established here in Luke chapter 22, that new covenant, which now is called the Lord's Supper. And we see that Jesus himself defines it. And Jesus defines that we are in union with him, his death and resurrection, which of course is represented by the bread and the fruit of the vine. We know that it represents Christ's body as well as his shed blood. Now what Christ accomplished was through his broken body and shed blood there at Calvary. And we know that it had a determinative action. And therefore this meal represents that action which was accomplished there at Calvary. Now his obedient life constituted a righteousness, not for himself, but for us. His obedience in his propitiated death was that which satisfied the wrath of God and therefore is the basis for our forgiveness. That's why he had to go to the cross to propitiate our sin. And then his triumphant resurrection exaltation is the focus of our hope and our faith in him. So Jesus actively accomplished our redemptive body in history for time and all eternity. So when we eat of this supper called the Lord's Supper, we are covenantially defined in Christ. So we are in Him. He who loved you and gave Himself for you an offering, a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. The only sacrifice that was satisfying to God, which was presented to God by His Son, Jesus Christ. So what happens at the table is determined by what happened at the cross. Jesus Christ demonstrated His love for you there at Calvary. So therefore, as we sit here and as we come to the table, we must remember that this love is still active. It's an eternal love. He has loved us from the very beginning and He continues to love us and He will love us forever and ever. So Jesus is given to you the definite action transpiring at the table is Christ's dynamic, life-giving love for you. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So therefore, what happens at the table is you are being loved. 
You are being loved by Christ with an everlasting love, a love that he had for you as he was there at Calvary. He offered himself in your place as the full and final atonement, the atoning sacrifice for your sins to be propitiated by the wrath of God. So what is happening at the table? You are being nourished by Jesus with this vitality of his triumphant resurrection and the substance of living hope for his glorious return. So therefore, as we come to the table, we remember, we remember at the table that Christ is love. He is love for us, that he himself is the gospel. He died for us, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us, who will separate us, who will separate us from the love of Christ, as Paul asked that question. And we know the answer is no one can separate us from the love of Christ. So as we come to the table this afternoon, let us meditate on his love, which he has shed abroad for us. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this love which has been demonstrated to us in such a wonderful and glorious way. In our Lord and Savior veiling his glory and coming to dwell upon this earth, he himself who was willing to become man, who was willing to live a perfect life and suffer all that that entailed, and was willing to go to Calvary to pay the debt of sinners such as we. We thank you, Father, for how that love has been demonstrated to us. And we pray, Father, that we would never forget it, but do as he has commanded us to do, to remember, to remember what he has accomplished on our behalf and showing us how much he has loved us with an everlasting love and that we are able to receive him by grace. And we pray, Father, that as we receive the means of grace today, as we meditate upon this truth of his love, that we might be strengthened in our faith to persevere to the end. Search our hearts now, Father, as we spend these moments in silent prayer with thee.